want you to look at Amos chapter 7, verse 14 and 15. Let me read it to you. It said, Amos answered Amaziah, I was not a prophet or the son of a prophet. Rather, I was a herdsman. I took care of sycamore figs, took care of trees. But the Lord took me from following the flock and said to me, go prophesy to my people, Israel. Let's pray together. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit. Any word of knowledge you give to me to speak to a person or their situation, Lord, if you, if you prompt me with it, I wanna be obedient to speak to it. And then Lord, you look at all of us today, but you see me differently. I'm your teacher, I'm your preacher, and upon me is a greater judgment than anybody here. And I know that, and I accept my place in rightly dividing your word. So in the name of Jesus that I pray, his name that I preach. Amen. You can be seated. It's good to see everybody. Good, good crowd today. Thank you. We had a really good crowd in the early service. To win our series called Adjustments, and it's talking about uh, the rearrangement that you have to make in your life. And today we're going to be learning from the prophet Amos. Uh, when God speaks to us, when he is revealing anything to us, he is telling us what he is about to do. He's not doing it just for the fun of it, so that he can see how we react. Uh, when he reveals anything, he's including you. He's what he's gonna do and asking you and inviting you to join him in his work. And when that happens, there's adjustment, surrender, obedience, and a dependence on God. Sometimes y'all click out on me when I say that. Give me your vacation Bible school eyes and ears. Okay, the Lord does not want you to grow independent from him. He wants you to grow more dependent on him because that becomes his story in your life. When that happens, uh, you'll be able to tell that God's story. That's exactly where he wants us. Uh, so today we're learning from Amos. Uh, I, wanna, I wanna show you what Amos was because this is about, uh, the series is about adjustments. And so I've got to show you what he was to show you what God gave him and how he adjusted to become that prophet. Uh, the verses I just read to you say that he was a herdsman, that he had a flock. And uh, there's a lot of wordage that indicates it was not a large flock, a small flock, but it was a certain flock that produced a certain, a certain texture of wool. Uh, so he, he was not over this huge flock, but a small flock, but he owned it. All the wordage is that he was the owner of it. The second thing he did is he, he, he tended sycamore trees. So uh, don't be thinking of Zacchaeus here necessarily, or don't be thinking of sycamore trees that we have today. It is a fig tree. It is a, it is a fig mulberry tree. And uh, I, I, I just gotta tell you how my mind works. And uh, I, you probably don't want me to, but uh, in, in my study, I, I pictured a tree full of fig newtons. That's just what I, that's just what I saw, you know? Uh, and I, I don't, and I had to be in the right mood to get, have a fig newton, you know, but, cause that was a, like, a, like a, a moody food for me. But uh, anyway, that's what I pictured, this big tree with fig newtons hanging all over it. But the suggestion is that, uh, uh, Amos is a very simple guy, and we'll, we'll deal with that later, 
but the fact of the, the, the fig mulberry tree or the sycamore fig uh, e- even gives us more meaning because these are figs that the people of lower class ate. If you were of an upper class, you didn't eat these figs. If you were a lower class, you did. Uh, Amos, his name means burden barrier, meaning it's gonna give suggestion as to how he carries out this message as a prophet. So I want you to see his call. I want you to see how he recognizes what he used to be, this herdsman and this tender of trees, uh, tending sheep and tending trees, and see how he becomes the prophet. Uh, he's, he's already become the prophet, but there was an interaction that occurred and he, he's talking about how he made the adjustment to be that. It's in Amos chapter seven, uh, verses 10 through 14. Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent word to Jeroboam, king of Israel. Amos has conspired against you right here in the house of Israel and the land cannot endure at his words. For Amos has said this, Jeroboam will die, this is his prophecy, Jeroboam will die by the sword and Israel will certainly go into exile from its homeland. And then Amaziah said to Amos, the prophet, you get out of here, get out of my yard, go away, you seer, flee to the land of Judah, earn your living and give your prophecies there. But don't ever prophesy again at at Bethel again, for it is the king's sanctuary and it is a royal temple. So Amos answered Amaziah, let me tell you why I'm a prophet. I was not a prophet or the son of a prophet, rather I was a herdsman. I took care of sycamore figs. Uh, And he's telling him here that he's not out of a school of prophets. He's not the son of a prophet, which means he doesn't have the professional status that that school of prophets had, and they did have those in those days. But Amaziah, and I, I referred to him in my study as the amazing Amaziah, because you can see Amaziah, do you see the word amazing in there? Kinda, a little early? Is it a little early? You got it, the amazing Amaziah? I can't go any further, do y'all get that? You see that amazing Amaziah? All right. Here he is, he's a priest, but he has the king's ear. He has access to the king, which not everybody did. And he's telling him, Amos has got to go. Amos has got to get out of here. And so Amos explains his call, which I just read to you. Now, Amos doesn't back down. We're going to talk about that in a moment. He, he doesn't back down from Amaziah because here's, here's a priest who has the king's ear, obviously some area of authority, and he's telling him he's got to get out of town. Some people would you know, just tuck and run. So... He said, uh, the way he responds to it, he doesn't back down is, he says, now hear the word of the Lord. That's in verses following verse 14. You're telling me to be quiet. Now let me tell you what the Lord says. And he goes into this imagery about how uh, Israel is going to be destroyed and they're gonna be punished for their rebellion against the Lord. So that's how he answers And God has revealed to Amos his dissatisfaction with Israel and the people. And he called from being a herdsman, from tending sheep and tending trees, 
to being a prophet. So he revealed to Amos, this is what I'm gonna do to Israel. But I want you to be the spokesperson for this. And Amos heard it and Amos followed him and he made the adjustment, he made the rearrangement in his life. So I, I want you to see God's revealing here that I, this is what I'm gonna do to Israel because of the rebellion. I want you to hear, I'm telling you what I'm gonna do. I want you to join me in that. I want you to be my, I want you to be my voice. I want you to be my spokesman. And I want you to tell them and give them an opportunity to correct themselves. Listen, let me tell you about discipline for a moment. Discipline happens because it gives you a chance to recorrect it, all right? It gives you a chance to get it right. That's what it does. And God loves us and he disciplines those that he loves. You're, you're thinking punishment. God's thinking recorrection. God, we're gonna give you a chance to get it right. To get it right. I remember my dad told me, he said, my dad gave me a lot of freedom, but he showed me where the line was. And he said, I'll give you the freedom, but if you cross that line, he said, you'll come, you know, the, the leash gets a little shorter, right? And my dad meant that. I knew exactly where the line was, and uh, I, and if I got if I crossed it, he said you'll have to build your trust back with me. And he meant every word of it. So discipline means you get a chance to get it right, not just absolutely punishment coming upon them. And so God's using Amos to be this messenger. This is what I'm going to do to you, but I'm giving you a chance to recorrect and get and to readjust and to make the uh, adjustments and the rearrangements to get this right. So I wanna tell you some things about Amos for a moment and you'll understand here in a minute why he says what he says. But I was reading a book by Kyle Yates. Old, it's an old book. Uh, he's a scholar, born in Kentucky, born in Louisville, a seminary professor. And uh, uh, just some of this thought, not all of it, but a lot, a lot of it is his. And I want to share this with you because it was just too good. Uh, he said, Amos was simple guy. You're wondering, well, God uses, you know, people who are charismatic and outgoing and all. He said, Amos was a simple man. Just, you know, Skinnerd, you know, Leonard Skinnerd, can y'all be there with me like a simple man? You got it? A little bit. Y'all are slow today. I don't know. Uh, long sermon. Hang on. Okay. He was simple. He's plain, genuine. He's from Tekoa, which meant if you were from Tekoa, you're simple. Uh, because the, the picture is, if you ever saw Tekoa, it looked like a campsite. It was just a small spot in the road. Uh, simple, yet very insightful. He said uh, Amos was stern, he was blunt, just like he responds to Amaziah. And he was stern. Uh, he could be very severe in what he told you, but yet very effective. Uh, he said he was keen, very intelligent. Uh, he had piercing insight, he was sharp, and he, was, he had the ability to watch and discern. He had the ability to put, all, put things together, uh, which leads to the next one, Amos was observant. As, as a shepherd, you have to be observant. What's going on, what do they need, where do they need to go, what's wrong with them, those kind of things. And, and then he was observant on tending trees so they would produce the figs that at least fed a lower class of people but nonetheless, it fed them. 
um, he was selling his wares, his figs, or he was selling the wool from his sheep. So there was coming and going and buying and selling, and he's able to be able to see people. He's able to put things together and understand problems. Let, let me help you out with this for a while. Uh, like, guys, have you ever gone to the mall with your spouse? And uh, they shop and we find a couch, right? We go find a couch. In fact, even if I go, I was shopping with Laura, my daughter, and, and, and Julie after Christmas, and we'd go into all these places that they wanted to go, and uh, nothing manly in there at all. And so I would just find a couch, you know, and sit in the store. But you, you people watch at the mall, right? And uh, I, I see Amos being just really quiet because you can pay attention and learn a lot of things if you'll just listen. The world doesn't always need our commentary, uh, even though we think he does or it does, and we just watch and listen. You can learn a whole lot by just watching and listening. And I think Amos is doing this as he goes and sells his wares, buying and selling, interacting with people, tending his sheep, tending the trees. He's being very observant. He's hearing what's going on in other places what's happening in bigger cities that he maybe didn't go to. He's hearing how people are reacting to this and reacting to that, and he's putting it all together. Uh, there, Amos is referred to as being dynamic in his personality, captivating, uses great imagery and very descriptive. He's, he's, he's given as very courageous, going back to Amaziah, who had the king's ear, told him to get out of town. Uh, he wasn't a coward. He, he was confrontational. He had no fear. And he, he, he didn't have fear because of a deep love and a trust that he had in God. He didn't fear. He knew God had all authority. And it's going to be very important later on in the sermon. God has all authority. And so Amos was uncompromising. He was a man of conviction. He didn't water anything down. These are pictures of Amos. But I think it came out of Amos tending sheep and tending trees. It may have come out of him being alone a lot but also buying and selling and being in and out of town, watching and listening and putting everything together. Listen, there's a reason as a pastor that I want you to spend more time with God on your own, personally. Devotions, your quiet times, something's plaguing you, go spend time with the Father. There's a reason why I do that. Here's the reason. The more time you spend with the Father, the more you're gonna look like him and the more you're gonna act like him. Okay, I, I think that's what's happening with Amos. Amos had these moments of being in nature. And if you read, it's, a little, it's just a nine chapter read. It's not that big of a read. If you read it, if you read it, he, he, he was in nature a lot. That's where I think he put a lot of things together. Uh, th those of us who go out into nature, we know there's this incredible meltdown. You know, we're filled with stress and, and we get out in the woods and there's just this meltdown or this letdown and you're able to think of things a little more plainly. I think this is happening to Amos. But here's his prophetic voice. Remember, he tended sheep and he tended trees. God revealed to him, this is what I'm gonna do to Israel, but I want you to tell them. I want you to be my voice. Remember, discipline gives you a chance to get it right. 
Discipline is like, here's what's wrong, and I'm giving you a chance to get it right. So he's using him as a voice and a prophetic voice. Uh, Amos speaks against these things if you, if you read in his, his book. His prophetic voice is against those who are taking advantage of the middle class. Sound familiar? Sound familiar today? Get it, get it, get it, be us. Uh, the, uh, he, he says there's too many haves and too many have nots. There's really no middle section at all. And, and we know sometimes middle class can handle the burden in a lot of things, even in our own, even in our own nation. Um, his prophetic voice is not against wealth as long as you get it rightly. But his prophetic voice is against wealth that gets it dishonestly. He's against dishonest gain in any form or fashion where you take advantage of people, where you charge them interest you know they can't pay. Uh, there's no care for the widow or there's no care for the orphan or there's no care for the stranger. He speaks his prophetic voices against this. Um, he speaks against if you can't pay your bill, your debt, then people would sell them, those people off. There was the selling of people who, who weren't slaves that became slaves because they couldn't pay, pay their debt off. And uh, that was the payoff was to sell them and their families. He speaks against this. A lot of social injustice that Amos speaks against. He speaks against their worship. He said, you've got it all mixed up. You've got a little bit of the law of Moses and you've got a whole lot of pagan worship that's coming there together. And there's this mix and it's wrong. In fact, he says that you can go to Bethel and rebel or Gilgal and rebel or Bathsheba and rebel. And he, he goes, you're, you're bringing your offer. Now listen to this. This is every day. You're bringing your sacrifices every day. You're bringing your tithes. You're bringing your offer. You're bringing your practice, but it's empty. It's nothing but a ritual. Later on, he calls it solemn assemblies. It's just empty. There's nothing there. And I, and I wrote this question here on my notes. Could that be us? Can that be us? It, it can be us. For you attend, you may attend faithfully. They were, they were doing it every day, but it was empty. There was no spiritual connection to it at all. It, it was just an empty, empty rituals. And he told them once in one of his prophecies, God hates your solemn assemblies. I, because they're empty, there's nothing there. And it's, it, it's all about rebellion. Listen, simply rebellion is opposite authority. Uh, you know, I, I go to John Cougar Mellencamp, you know, you fight authority, authority always wins, right? Telling you my roots. Rebellion is in opposition to authority. And Amos's message is God is authority. And he saw that if you weren't living for God, then you were rebelling against God and his authority. He, he says, you have this spiritual image but you are spiritually empty. He said that you're, you're just going through the motions. Listen, he said there's no concern. You're living a life and you're not even concerned with what you're doing. I wanna stop here and 
tell you some things of where we're headed in the future. It's gonna sound like uh, housekeeping and an announcement here, but it is and it isn't, all right? But I, I just wanna share with you some things. I, I, I love my son, Andrew, love him to death. And uh, he got us connected with the Stewart home. When Andrew was here on staff, Andrew connected us with the Stewart home and put all that together for us. We would go there and hold worship services on campus and that got them to coming here. I, I don't know if you know it, but when they, they have a family in, you know, like a, a big day of homecoming or whatever and family, they, we, they use our parking lot and they park here and then they shuttle the families back and forth from here. And we, uh, we, we, want, we love that relationship, but I'm gonna, the Lord revealed that to Andrew and Andrew's the one that connected us. Well, Andrew called me a few weeks ago. He said, Dad, what are you doing January the 24th? I said, I don't know what I'm doing on the 24th. I'll look and see. He said, well, I, I came across a, a guy that I want you to meet. His name's Reuben Watson. And uh, he said, uh, we're going to visit a children's home in Danville and uh, take a tour of it and listen to what he's got to say. He said, I want you to come. And I said, okay. And uh, I saw it as a time to be able to see my son too. You know how that happens. And uh, he had invited Logan and he spent more time with Logan than he did me, which <laughs> made me mad at Logan. But anyway, um, they went out to eat together. I, I needed to go to the nursing home and see Papa and Mima. So we, Logan and I drove in separate vehicles, but we went there. Some of you, if you're old like me, uh, we used to call it Kentucky Baptist Children's Homes. And there was a campus in Middletown, which is actually Shelbyville Road that goes into Louisville. There was a campus there, big campus. And then they had campuses uh, and still do in E-Town, Glendale, where they're building those battery factories for cars. If you see that going down 65, that's some of you may know that great restaurant called the Whistle Stop in Glendale, great place to eat. And I, I, when it comes to Jesus and food, I will never le lead you wrong, okay? Uh, so um, so E-Town had a couple campuses and Middletown had a campus. And uh, Kentucky Baptist, uh, through your offerings and what we, some of your offering, we send to them missionally and, and uh, it helps to take care of this. So, well, the one in Middletown is no longer there. Glendale E-Town still is. But there's a, a children's home now in Danville and one in Somerset, and they've changed the name to Sunrise. And they do adoptions and foster parenting, and it's called family services. They do have those. So there's 29 boys, I believe, um, and, um, that are there, elementary age, middle school, and high school. And everything happens on that campus. Those, they never really leave the campus unless they're supervised. So they're not in public school. And uh, they eat there, breakfast, lunch, and supper. They're housed there. Uh, and we went through the tour. So there were about six of us pastors that went through it. And um, didn't say a whole lot. You know, I didn't, I'd look at Logan, Logan would look at me, and there was just telepathy. Not a lot said. And uh, we're finding out the level of harm that had happened to these boys. And it just really quiet, makes everything quiet. Um, the guy leading the tour, which you'll, you'll know, we're gonna bring him here. Reuben grew up through this Kentucky Baptist Home for Children. 
uh, I think he had gone through like nine foster homes, two or three mental hospitals, and it was just breaking my heart. Just breaking my heart. Some of them, their biological pa- parents aren't even here. They're, they're no longer living. Have nobody. Some of them literally have no one. So the reason we're there is because Andrew had randomly come across Reuben and they were talking and Reuben was just sharing what they need in Danville. And uh, he said, we really not only do we want churches to bless the boys, but he said, we want churches to bless our staff. They'd never get a break. They never get a break. He said, the people who cook for us never get a chance to go to their home church and they're from the Bull County Danville area. And uh, Sunrise is located near the Bull County Middle School. You turn left on Cunningham Way and it's back, you you think, well, what's back in here? It's beautiful, it's a beautiful campus. And uh, he said, we need help, first of all, to, for churches to come in and cook on Sunday so that our staff can go to church and uh, you know, come in and fix lunch and uh, fix breakfast, fix supper, you know, to come in and do that. And uh, we're listening to everything. But I, I wanna tell you, the one thing that got me is almost every building has a padded room you know, you know in a gymnasium where you play basketball and you're doing a layup and if somebody were to push you into the wall, there are those mats on the wall at the end. Well, th- these guys have rooms that have mats everywhere, including the back of the door. And he said, the harm that came to them triggers them sometimes. And we just have to put them in there until they calm down. Reuben said, I used to go into these rooms and, and, and whoever's discipled Reuben has done a phenomenal job loves the Lord, married, just, just incredible. You'll fall in love with him when you meet him. But here, here's my point. Here's my point. Amos said these people were going through worship with no concern. Listen, uh, listen to me. The devil will have you so busy that you will not have concern, you will not pay attention. You listening to me? If, if you go to the Danville campus, to Sunrise Children's Home with these boys, and your heart doesn't break, I'm gonna stare a hole through you. You hear me? I don't want to live this life unconcerned. And he said, that's the problem. Your rebellion is against the authority of God. You're, you're, you're running over God and you're not paying attention and you're, you just have no concern for the things of God. And that can't be. Now, let me, let me do the trip to Danville and to that campus in line with the series. When we were there, Logan and I both knew that God was revealing to us. So I just want you to know I signed you up. Did you hear me? I signed you up. And little by little, little by little, now we, we have to work under their regulations. We have to work under their protocol. We can't go in there and hope church it and go, I'm, we're just gonna plow in here and we're gonna do this, we're going to, we can't do that. And we're gonna wait in there, but listen, we're not going there for one day. We're gonna go in there and we're, we're hanging out. You hear me? We're, 
we talked about you can't fix your food at your house and take it to them because the health department will not allow that. So you're probably thinking, well, we can fix this. And uh, it was a blessing. Where's Cutter Mug? Where's Steve Cutter? You have to have, uh, you have to have certain... Uh, you have to have certain cards, people who have food service cards. Well, after the first service, Cutterbug came up to me and goes, I've got my food service card. I'm going, there you go. You know, but you have to have that. We have to do things their way. But I said, do you allow food trucks? Because I believe in food trucks. <laughs> and they said, yeah, because they're under the health department. And wouldn't that be neat, one of the first ways, and we were there to help serve and clean up, you know? And we're gonna, they said, come 10 at a time. Don't, don't uh, overrun us, you know? But just hang on. We'll, we're gonna put it together the right way. You're gonna hear from me. We'll sign up. There'll be some training involved. But listen, I'm not doing this for one day. You all listening? God revealed some things to us on that day, and he asked us to join him. And I just want you to know, I signed you up. All right, I signed you up. Whether we go Sundays and uh, whatever, you're, you're going, good, I'll do that. I won't have to listen to the sermon. I get it. I get it. I totally get it. But we're gonna do that. I've already spoken to some people before this week, just bouncing things off of them. See, when God reveals, he's telling you what he's about to do. And he doesn't need our creativity. He just needs our obedience. And he asked us to join him and we're gonna join him in blessing these boys. I'm already thinking about Christmas of adopting these boys. Are y'all listening to me? Guess what? I signed you up. <laughs> All right? Of how we can be a blessing. Show them the love of Christ. And again, we're gonna work under their protocol and their regulations. But uh, you're looking, it's a, it's a time of rearrangement. It's a time of adjustment. And these are ways I want our church to serve. Are you all listening to me? I don't, I don't want you to come and just have a Bible study so we can gather here and say we had a Bible study. I want you to go. Go. Where the Lord reveals to us, and I believe he has revealed this to us in a greater way. He's saying to Amos, is saying to the people, your lives are empty. You're going through the motions. Your lives are empty. He, he preaches over all the time. He said, the Lord says, seek me and you will live. There's time for correction to occur. He gives us that time. Uh, in, in Amos 5.24, uh, he tells us, he says, the Lord God showed me this. The Lord God has called, let's go um, 5.24. There we go, thank you. You had me on the wrong sermon there for just a second. But let, let justice flow like water and righteousness like an unfailing stream. Justice is gonna come. Listen, listen. Let me just tell you something about God. You rebel against him, judgment will happen. I don't know when, I don't know where, I don't know how long, and I don't know how, but judgment will occur. He'll make the correction. I, I, I remember this from my dad. Now, you may not agree with me, I don't care. I remember when I was learning to tithe, and uh, my dad looked at me one day and he goes, Jeff, Jeffrey Lynn, middle name, little stern like Amos, he said, listen, if you don't give it to the Lord, he'll get it somehow. You, you think about that one for a while. Uh, I don't know how, but he'll remind you. 
There comes rebellion is against authority. Amos' sermons where God is the authority and you're running all over him. You're living a life. You're not paying attention. You're unconcerned. You're only concerned about your things. You're not concerned about the things of God. But look at the dual message here. Let justice come, but then let righteousness also be an unfailing stream. Righteousness is tearing the walls down. Let, let all that be where it needs to be. Amos 4.12 is where I leave you with today. I use this in sermons, at funeral sermons. Not a lot. It depends on which one I'm in. If I know there's going to be a young crowd there, I use this one. Therefore, Israel, this is what I will do to you, says the Lord through the prophet Amos. And since I will do that to you, I'm telling you, he's giving you a chance to correct it. You see this? Prepare to meet your God. And here's what I say. If people could come back and speak to us from the dead, from, from death, if they could come back, what would they tell us? What would they tell us? If you remember the rich man, Lazarus, Lazarus went to Abraham's bosom, a euphemism for paradise or heaven. Um, the rich man went to Hades, hell. And if you remember, he's begging for water. Remember Lazarus was the beggar, now the rich man becomes the beggar. It's kind of an opposite switch there. And uh, he is, uh, he's begging for water, just a drip of water on his tongue. He's in torment and he begs. He said, go tell my family. Go tell my family so that they don't come here too. Uh, I, uh, I want you to know if people could come back and say something to us, what would they say? I think it would be what the prophet Amos said and what God told them to say, prepare to meet your God. Listen, I have today, I may die today, you may die today. I have today, I don't wanna live a life unconcerned. I don't wanna live a life that's spiritually empty. I wanna live a life for my God. I want my day to be for my God. He, I, I even breathe his air, do you understand that? Can you stop long enough to meditate on that? I breathe his air. None of us in here have said to the brain, brain, I want you to tell the lungs to breathe. God has made us to where my brain automatically tells my lungs to breathe. And I'm not, only, I'm not breathing my air, I'm breathing his air. This is his life, he made it for us. Let's live this life for him today. It's all I have is today. Tomorrow's got its own troubles, scripture says. Today I have it. I, I could meet my God today, and when I meet my God today, I want him to know my heart was loyal to him. Now, I, I'm not putting in, an immediate on that everything's gotta be just right. I, I'm saved, I'm, I, I can be carnal man, I get that. But this is a day that I have. And Amos said, prepare to meet your God, and you prepare to meet your God. I'm gonna show you some ways you can do to do that. This is how we'll close today. If you're about to do something that God can't bless it, then don't you do it. You need, to, you need to stop long enough to see your situation and go, can God bless this? And if God can't bless it, then you back out of it. That's just a simple test for today. If God can't bless it, you need to back out of it. Back out of it. I was coming from Danville one day on my Harley and this car tried to cut me off. I totally forgot that I was a preacher. I totally forgot that I represented the Lord and you. And uh, so I thought, okay, big boy. And so we got, we got on the four lane there, right about the Dairy Queen coming out of Danville, in, or Harrodsburg, I'm sorry. And uh, 
we, uh, I, I put the handlebar on my motorcycle on his car handle, his driver, and I just looked down. I looked like Herman Munster with leather on. You understand that, right? I mean, I got the kiss boots on, you know, uh, leather shoulder pads, you know, I look like Herman Munster. And uh, so I just peer down in there and I just heard the Lord going, what are you doing? Has he ever called you an idiot? You being an idiot. What are you doing? And I was, okay, I'm backing off. I see visions of road rash, you know. I back off. Listen, even in times of anger, if, if God can't bless it, then don't do it. That's just really, whatever you're getting into, whatever you're, if you're into a point of deception and you know it's deceiving people, just go, Lord, can you bless this? And you're gonna go, no, he can't. Well, then don't do it. Let, that, that leads to a life of concern and that leads to a life of, of this day. I'm living this life to the fullest of this day to be a blessing and all that God has made me to be. And I know down deep inside you want that. I know that, you can do that. We just have to slow down, take some inventory, and, and not let my life run spiritually empty, right? With concern. I knew that God was breaking Logan's heart, Andrew's heart, the other pastor's heart, my heart. He revealed to us, he's asking us to join. I signed you up. Some of our ministry is going to extend to Danville to this boy's home. And we're gonna be a blessing to them. God's gonna use us to be able to do that and help mold them into what he has designed them to become, right? And he wants to do the same thing with you. Be that peacemaker we prayed about. Let God use you to bring peace to the smallest of situations because those who bring peace are referred to as the sons and the daughters of God. If it doesn't, if he can't bless it, then don't do it. And then our day is wrapped around the authority of God. And it's a life of concern, not unconcern. Amen, you receive that today? I pray that you do. Let me pray over you. Father, I pray over our people. Uh, decisions need to be made, decisions have been made. Uh, Lord, we take from the prophet Amos today that you're in control, that you're the God of authority. And our rebellion sometimes runs over you thinking we know what's best for us and others. And the world needs our commentary when truly the world needs our care and our concern. Fill our hearts with concern. Break our hearts with the things that break your heart, Lord. And let us live a life that you can bless. When we're alone and nobody is around, it's a life you can bless. Help us to choose the things that you bless and live a life that's impacted by your spirit that we're not running around spiritually empty. And today, we live in such a way that we are ready to meet our God. We love you. We love you. One day we'll stand before you and we wanna hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Today, in this service, in this moment, make us your servants. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray and we pray together. Amen. Church, would you stand? Counselors, would you find your spot? You come. The invitation is this. Whosoever will, for whatever reason today, you, you come. God bless you. The team's gonna lead us. You respond. You come.